It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Cavaliers, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Cavaliers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Locked on Cavaliers, your daily look at LeBron James and the rest of the always interesting Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm Chris Manning, your host from FearTheSword.com. That is SB Nation's Cleveland Cavaliers blog. Uh, We cover everything over there if you're not familiar with us. So today's show is recapping the Cavs' win over the New York Knicks. They beat the Knicks 123-109 on Monday night in New York. That picked up their 50th win of the season, secured a top four seed in home court advantage in the first round for sure, leaves the opportunity open for them to have the number three seed if, if Philadelphia loses one of the next two games, and also featured um, the first game in 26 games where LeBron James did not lead the team in both points and assists. He did lead the team in assists. But Kevin Love led the way with 28 points. Michael Beasley led the Knicks with 20 points. George Hill made his return in this game, and we got to look at what the starting lineup might be in the playoffs. That's going to be our focus today. We'll get to Kendrick Perkins later and some other notes, but the main talking point today is the Cavs continuing to cement themselves and continue to play some pretty good basketball. This is, a, I believe, their eighth win in nine games. Uh, they're, they're on a pretty good win streak right now, even with some of the, the issues that they have they've had um, with some of the limitations they've had with different guys and they almost they had some issues in this game too they led by as many as 14 in the first half led by 12 at the half led by 18 in the third quarter and then we're only up by five with 637 to go Jordan uh, Clarkson had 11 in the fourth James had nine so those big fourth quarters from those two guys ended up being ended up mattering gets them that fifth win against a team that is tanking so that is good but it's their ninth straight win at MSG. Um, 11th win in their last 13 games overall. So this is a very good stretch for the Cavs. They took care of business against a bad team, and they should have done that. With this 50th win and with this victory and with the win also cementing their Central Division Championship, which is LeBron's 10th in a row, that's an NBA record. That doesn't mean that much, but it's the fourth overall for the team as well. With that status, the Cavs basically have hope that they could get the number three seed. You'll hear on tomorrow's show... Jordan Zerman and I talking about some of the complications of being the number four seed and how the Cavs might be facing a gauntlet in this playoffs anyway. But if they want to be the number three seed, have, I would say, the easier path where you're getting one of Miami, Milwaukee, or Washington, probably Miami or Milwaukee at this point, and then getting Boston in a round two, and that's a Boston team without Kyrie, without Gordon Hayward, that doesn't have a very good offense at this point. 
that's an easier path. It doesn't mean it means you know Toronto in round two. It means you know no Indiana in round one. And yes, I think Indiana is very beatable. The Cavs should win that series in five six games. But I I think it's just you get to Boston over Toronto. It's just an easier path. It's less wear and tear on them. This game gives them the opportunity to have that. It is not under their control, though. Philly has a game Tuesday against the Hawks. And Philly has a game Wednesday at the, at 8 p.m., the same time Cavs-Knicks tips on Wednesday against the Bucks. The Bucks have incentive to win that game. We don't know how Philly is 100% going to view it. There's still no, going to be no Embiid for that game. But this is a, the Cavs basically did what they had to do here. They picked up a win. And they give themselves a chance to be the number three seed. And at the same time, set a baseline of, of what they're really going to be. They have home court advantage in the first round. They did not fall off the face of the earth this season and go into the bottom half of the East and have to play on the road in the first round. They picked up a 50th win. They have a chance to get 51 on Wednesday, and they probably will. They basically got healthy in this game, except for Rodney Hood. They just did what they had to do and they're continuing to play well and LeBron continues to play well even with all the the craziness going on it is LeBron is not going to win the MVP award but if you wanted to make the argument for him to win MVP it is in what the Cavs really capped off tonight in this win LeBron getting this team to 50 wins having that streak of leading them in points and assists for that long having so many triple doubles just being so dominant on the offensive end even with his defensive issues I really, really think that's his MVP argument is that he's kept the Cavs team that has gone through so much from Isaiah Thomas and Jake Crowder not working to the injuries, to the trades, to more injuries, to Ty Lue's absence, to, to whatever you want to point out. He kept them afloat, got them to 50 wins, and got them home court advantage. That's LeBron's MVP argument, and, and that's incredible. And yes, they haven't been the best team. Uh, there's a lot of doubts about this team. There's a lot of things we don't know about this team, but LeBron is the ultimate equalizer he's the ultimate proof that this team might still make the finals has a good chance to still make the finals and a lot of people are including myself are going to pick them to get to the finals so that is capped off tonight in this win it is a it comes on a big stage with with a lot of people playing well but that's all the Cavs did they actually took care of business didn't have a slip up avoided that fourth quarter collapse and got a win against a team that is tanking and got the 50th win and they're now in good position to potentially get the three seed if something breaks their way all they, they get you could go back and look at earlier season games and say they should have just won this other game and avoided getting themselves in the situation but considering where they're at they're making the most of it and that's i think really all you can ask the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now, the other news coming out of this game is George Hill returns while Rodney Hood remains out. Um, with Hill coming back, I didn't think he had a great game. He did look out of rhythm, 4.5 assists, 20 minutes for him. Uh, this is a game where I think you could look at him, or sorry, 5 points and 4 assists, and the other way around there. George Hill, I think, is essential to this team. I think he's going to be very, very key in the playoffs, but he just looked out of rhythm. Um, he, I think he just didn't quite just seem comfortable with everything that was going on. 
Clarkson, I think, made that bigger impact in the fourth, and that's kind of why you saw him stick around. I think maybe that he's just getting used to playing on that ankle a little bit. He wasn't even you know, fully guaranteed to play in this game. This was a questionable situation where they, they announced he's going to start closer to tip. So he's still, I think, working through some stuff. Did have two steals. Um, didn't only committed the one turnover against his forces, so that's a good sign. Was a plus six in his 20 minutes. And just, I think, needs time to get back in his rhythm. He, this wasn't a serious injury, uh, but he is adjusting to all these new guys, playing with LeBron, playing with Green, playing with Love. That is going to be an adjustment for him. He, I think, just needs to get settled in. I think it's why it's good that he's playing. Kyle Clover did start uh, with him in this game, 0-3 from 3. His one bucket came on a cut that he had near the basket where he did a nice job to get open. Um, I, I think it, you're looking at him potentially being the starter in the playoffs. Now, that could still mean he's only playing 16 minutes a game, but I think he's in a position to potentially start, uh, to, to especially because they're just Rodney Hood is dealing with these injuries, and I think Corver is going to, even if he's dealing with that foot soreness, is going to be there. So this could be the preview of what the starting lineup looks like. I think it's okay. I think the defensive upside is obviously limited, but um, the the offensive potential here is is outstanding, and I think they should be able to get a lot out of that group. Corver is going to be a really good offensive fit. Green can can I think Green versus another big um, I think does allow you to at least move some chess pieces around. Now let's look at the Toronto matchup. If this is the starting lineup, and this is where we see Toronto, we see the Cavs play Toronto in round two. And Toronto goes with Lowry, DeRozan, OG Anubi, um, Serge Ibaka, and Jonas Valanciunas. What will happen is they will um, put LeBron onto Ibaka, I believe. They will have Kevin guard Jonas, and they will have Jeff Green guard DeMar DeRozan, and they will have George Hill guard Kyle Lowry. That allows Kyle to hide on OG Anubi. Now, OG Anubi is a promising player. He's more athletic than Kyle. He uh, is, is a, a, a pretty solid rookie who's going to hit threes and, and be a decent offensive player. Korver is the type of guy you maybe want to try to hide on him because he is not going to make mistakes. And if Toronto was going to decide to funnel its offense through OG Anubi to attack the mismatch, that would be a problem. Now, they could do some creative stuff to try to create some switches. Uh, Toronto does move the ball very well. They could try to get Kyle moved on to DeMar, onto Kyle, and then attack from there. That that certainly is something the Cavs have to watch out for. But that we'll see what the Cavs' defensive scheme is going to be. Tyloo did say pregame that they do will have a new defensive scheme. We'll see what that is. But I think Kyle can manage in the Eastern Conference, at least as a starter. Philly might be tough. We saw the athletic issues there and that Friday loss. But I think until you get to the finals where you'd see Houston or Golden State, Kyle can probably hang, and then you get to those series, and it's a different question, and maybe you say, okay, he can hang on P.J. Tucker or someone like that, or you know, maybe he can chase Clay around, I guess, but those are questions that the Cavs will just have to answer when they get there, and they're going to be underdogs anyway, so we'll see if they get there, but I, I'm okay with this as the starting lineup. Um, I One of the things I did think when Rodney Hood was brought over from Utah was that he's just not as consistent in a variety of ways, and, and by that I meant his shooting his overall production, but his health might be a, a factor in that as well. And something he's got a history of these little knickknack injuries and things that keep him out. And maybe, maybe this is just the best path considering that. Um, Rodney Hood though did miss this game was probable sore Achilles. We'll see if he plays Wednesday. Now to look at the last main talking about in this game, Kevin Love in this game was fantastic. He yes, his shooting numbers weren't perfect. Nine to seventeen isn't perfect. But he was 6-13 thir- from 3, only had the 5 boards, which whatever. 
but he continues, I think, to do some really, really interesting things. And this is the type of way I think the Cavs should feature him in the playoffs. He, he was getting some looks inside where there, he was moving around, um, getting some looks where he'd catch the ball basically on a, on a short roll, would get around the rim and get an open look. He was popping out from three and continues to take that longer three. He, as an offensive focal point, is going to be so key to them having other options on LeBron. I really do think he should be playing at the start of the fourth when LeBron is not. I think they just have to figure that out somehow. He is just an excellent offensive player. He's a good rebounder, and I think him at the five is just a mismatch for a lot of guys. And I think when he's shooting like this, it gives the Cavs another dimension. I, I think him and Korver on the floor at the same time is, is a spacing juggernaut for LeBron. It mitigates some of the concerns I would have with Jeff Green as a shooter. It mitigates some of the rebounding concerns. His role is going to be so important for this team. LeBron is obviously the most important player. I would say Hill is maybe the third most important player. Green might be up there as well, considering what they're going to ask him to do. But Kevin Love is clearly the second most important guy in this team. He deserves to be featured as such. And I think when he does stuff like this, where he's he breaks that streak of LeBron leading them in, in points scored... Um, it shows you how valuable he could be when he's not just when he's shooting, but when he's just scoring in any way. And he's, I, I tweeted about this. Um, I talked about this with Jordan Zerm. He's just valuable at the type of stuff that they need him to be. And they can trust him to do things that maybe aren't the most sexy, modern, efficient NBA things like post-ups, but he's going to convert them and he's good enough to do so. All right. So some secondary talking points from this game, J.R. Smith and Jordan Clarkson, I think, were both good in this game in ways that I think are interesting. Now, J.R. wasn't great at defense, but they allowed him to create in this game a little bit. Um, he he led some pick and rolls. He had a really nice no-look uh, pass down to Zizic in garbage time. He did some things where he was attacking and, and actually getting inside and at least trying to do something. He was shooting with confidence. Maybe maybe that was because he was in the garden, a place where he's had a lot of success, but he was shooting with confidence from three, and he rebounded well. The Cavs are going to need him to do some of these things, um, to go on the type of burst where he had 14 of his points in the first half, and they needed him to. If he can have bursts like that and, and play sort of like vintage JR, that's going to go a long way. He ended up playing more minutes than Korver in this game, double the minutes of Kyle Korver. Um, I, I think there's an, a non-zero chance in a lot of games in the playoffs he could be closing games just because if, if he's shooting well and he's defending well, he might be a better two-way option than Korver. Uh, you know, Hood just has been so inconsistent, and his health is inconsistent. Jared's going to be so important, um, especially because of the, the issues you have, I think, with both Hood and Korver potentially. He needs to play well if he has games like this where he's – Maybe not perfect on defense, but does do a couple okay things on defense. Is shooting well. Is is doing some secondary things to not just be a, a shooter. He's really, really valuable to the team. Fits really, really well on some bench units. Fits really well alongside LeBron. And I, and I think they have to keep playing him. I think it's, it's a risk to bank on JR in a meaningful way at this point. But I, I do think they have to, to continue to look for him. Now for Clarkson... He had a big fourth quarter, finished with 16 points. The game was 4-6 from three. Had the three assists as well, which is a good sign against just one turnover. He's not a guy that I'm going to say is going to save you from three every night. Um, you, you should be watching him play and, and know my, my taste in players. He's not someone I love. He is streaky. He's kind of a gunner. He's not even a great three-point shooter. But the, what I liked in this game is that three of his three-pointers did come from the corner. When the Cavs were working with him with LeBron and in certain situations later on, they were not just having him dribble into shots or attack out of the pick and roll, which he can get a shot off there. But they were setting him up in the corner, so he was getting these open threes from the most efficient spot on the court. 
and was just splashing them. He got into a rhythm that way. It sets him up for these easy shots. Teams are going to abandon him, and if he can make that shot and the Cavs can put him in that spot, I think it's a really good space for him. He's not going to be an efficient or good above-the-break three-point shooter. Um, if you look at his shot chart on NBA.com backslash stats, he is um, with well 10% below league average on the right corner. He is around-ish league average um, from the left left break and the, at the top of the key he's actually not good in the right corner either but in the left corner he is a nine to on 37 attempts this year this is as of 11 19 p.m so i don't know if the shot charts have been updated yet he shoots well from there and that's actually where the Cavs went and got him shot so that's the kind of thing i think you have to do for him is to get him those type of shots to get him in those situations where all he has to do is shoot he I, I think it's a way to maximize him and if you need to if he's having a good night to get him some more minutes and to not have him hijack things you have to kind of mitigate um, those two realities and he if again if Rodney Hood isn't can playing well is injured is having these little knickknack issues that are keeping him from from having an 11.4th quarter like he's done this year or realizing some of the potential that Utah felt he had and, and the people in the league feel he has and the Cavs I think certainly feel he has it's going to be key for him to have it's going to be key for Ty Lue to have guys like Jordan Clarkson he can bank on and got get minutes out of J.R. Smith. Those guys are going to be really important. That is scary. They are going to be um, high variable players that are going to range have a range of outcomes in there and what they're going to do. Jordan Clarkson can have games like this. He can have other. He can have very bad games, but they can leverage him in ways that I think can make him a little bit better. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, to look at the Larry Nance, Tristan Thompson battle, this was a game where I think you saw where guys both sort of stand. Now, Nance has not looked good since he's come back from that hamstring injury, but he looked much bouncier in this game. Four six from the field, had some oops, had the six rebounds, the one offensive board, just the one foul, had the one block as well for a 10.6 rebound nine in 19 minutes. That's a good production night for him. Did play some minutes with Tristan, which I still think is something we should not see when the when the playoffs start, but it's where we're at right now. He, I think, just was much better. Now Thompson, I think, you know, had a really nice role, um, had the four rebounds, but got smoked by Jared Jack a couple times on switches, uh, and I mean not just by Jared Jack by by Knicks, but Jared Jack being the kind of the most obvious one. Only played nine minutes. The five point four rebounds is a good impact for that time, but. Just looks a little bit slow, and when you look at what Nance has done, even when he struggled, he looks just more comfortable stepping out and switching on the guys right now, and that is just super valuable. The Cavs, at least as far as we know, are going to continue to do that. We'll see if that changes in the playoffs and they do something completely different. It's it's possible, but based on what we know what they like to do, I think Nance seems to fit what they like to do better, and he just looks like the better player right now. Tyloo has said that they're going to have to pick between one. I think the writing is on the wall for Tristan Thompson. Um, I think Jeff Green starting basically kind of forced this decision, and I th- I kind of am running my opinion towards Jeff Green starting being okay, at least for at least to start. But I think Thompson and Nance are gonna have to just figure this out, especially if they want to play love it a lot of the five. And I think Nance is ahead of this. Now I feel I feel kind of bad for Tristan because 
we are not far removed from him being an utter terror. This is a guy who was sensational in the 16 finals, took, I think was an underratedly good player in the 15 finals where Mozgov and Delhi got a lot of love, but I think Tristan did a good job in that series as well. I think he, we're not that far from Zach Lowe just raving about how he demoralizes guys. If you go back to the 14-15 the playoffs and the, the next year as well when they played the Hawks, Al Horford and, and Paul Millsap were just demoralized by Tristan and how good he was and, and his ability to switch on to guys has been so valuable. He just looks like, to me, like a guy that feels the weight of the, the, the repeated finals runs and the mass amount of playing. JR, I think, feels it as well. I think Love seems to be having escaped it because he's been injured to some extent. LeBron is a freak, and he just won't feel it. But if you look at this roster right now, this isn't full of the guys that has been that. Jeff Green has not um, has not been a part of those teams. George Hill has not been a part of those teams. Corver has made his own playoff runs, but has not had the deep just the one finals appearance. Nance has been on these bad Lakers teams. Zizich is a rookie. Osman's a rookie. Calderon is a vet who doesn't play that much and hasn't factored in in that way. Clarkson has been on those bad Laker teams. John Holland and Lennon Parantes are two-way players um, who just don't really factor in in that way. Rodney Hood has not made a deep playoff run like this. Tristan Thompson is one of the guys on this team, the one of the four guys left from the, the title win. He's also just the guy that was uber durable, played every night, and he just seems to have, I think, be frankly, just feeling the, the weight of that. He's a bigger guy who just seems to be breaking down to some degree because of, I think, the wear and tear that it takes in you to make the, the st- three straight finals runs to be on the verge of a fourth and to, at the same time, being that NBA Ironman. They, they literally said last year when he went down that that injury was a good thing for him, that it actually got him some breaks. I think he's just a guy that he just needs some like legit rest and rehab this offseason to get back to himself. I don't think the, the, the his career or what his future looks like is over by any means, but I think where he's at right now and stands right now is a guy that needs some rest, and I think that's part of the reason why I think Nance hit him. I think there's a, a role for both of them on a future Cavs team, depending on what they do this summer, but I think right now Nance is ahead of him, and I, I think part of that has to be looking at what kind of wear and tear has Tristan Thompson taken on, the, taken on over the last several seasons. And lastly, Kendrick Perkins is back with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Adrian Janarski and Dave McMenamin from ESPN reported that Kendrick Perkins is going to sign with the Cavs on Wednesday, the last day of the regular season, the last day he could sign and be eligible for the playoffs. This is not a move to give them a center because I think Ante Zizic is going to be ahead of him on the depth chart, but he's a he's a veteran who's going to provide that locker room leadership, and the Cavs have done this before. Dante Jones was signed in, 16, in 15 and 16 to come in and be a veteran leader. Perk has been around the team. He played with the Canton Charge this year for a little bit. He has I, several games I've been at. He's been around. I know he's been in contact with guys. I know him and Ty have a good relationship. He was with the team in training camp. There's a, there's a trust there. There's an ability for him to come in and provide that leadership, and that's what that's what they're going to do. This playoff roster is is now full. In addition to the normal guys, O'Carl White's coming in, um, which you heard yesterday, David Ramil talk about him, and they're going to have Kendrick Perkins as well to be that veteran leader and to to maybe be some muscle. They, Tristan, he's been to the finals of the Cavs before. His days as a real NBA player are over, um, but he is a guy that I think can come in, provide some brutal honesty, provide a, a leader in the locker room, on the bench, and keep guys involved and keep things focused in the right direction. I think there's a lot of value to having a guy like this around. I think that we knew this was coming to some degree. 
he tweeted that he was going to sign with the Cavs um, after the deadline, and then it just didn't happen. I don't know why, what the delay is. I'll be curious to see what he has to say, assuming he talks to the media on Wednesday when we're all there. But Kedrick is back. Uh, he, I think, is this is a good thing. They they don't need, and they didn't really end up needing. I think another guy in the bio market or anything like that. There was no one out there or no one that could have become available that I think really would have changed anything. I'm good with having this leadership guy. This is a Cavs team that is going through a lot, that has a lot on its plate, that has just so many things up in the air right now, and maybe a guy like Perk can be a stabilizing, important presence. That is going to be it for today's show. Um, as always, find me on Twitter and Facebook at CWMWrites. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Facebook at LockedOnCavs. If you want to support the podcast, please go on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast and give it a five-star rating and review. That really does help people find the podcast. And and as always, you can reach me at LockedOnCavs.gmail.com if you have feedback, mailbag questions, and a whole bunch more. Uh, also, be sure to check out NBA. That is now daily, Monday through Friday. And we'll have playoff previews on there coming up Thursday and Friday this week. And then I'll be back tomorrow with the second part of my conversation with ESPN Cleveland's Jordan Zerm. We're talking about the gauntlet the Cavs are facing, a whole bunch more playoff seeding scenarios ahead of the season finale. And if you didn't listen to it, go check out yesterday's show where we talked about uh, his story about Cavs and LeBron holy shit moments and what is going on with some recent guys on the team. But that is it for today. The Cavs did beat the Knicks, have hopes for the number three seed. I've been Chris Manning from Locked on Cavs. Have a great Tuesday. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.